Good evening and welcome to Activist Shark Tank. I am your host, Amla Epinobi, and tonight we have two contestants who are going to come forth and share their activism campaigns, Will and Taylor. Will, kick us off. What is your campaign? Thanks so much for having me, Amala. So my campaign is uh, essentially, imagine you're white and you're sitting around and you're like, wow, being white sucks. And I wish I could apologize to black people for how racist I am, how racist I was born. You can now get on your phone and order a black person to meet you somewhere and you can apologize to them for your racism. It's called a uh, pizza. <laughs> I, I don't know what the name is. We're working on that concept, but it's a, uh, it's a great app and you can do it with women, trans stuff, all sorts of people you can order to meet you that you can apologize to for oppressing them. Wow. And what are you asking for, for an initial investment? Um, 77 cents for every dollar of $500,000. It's really interesting that you're asking me, a black woman, to invest in your white company. Uh, it, it's already starting off at a low point for you. I'm going to be honest, Will. Let's go on to our next contestant, and that is Taylor. Well, that was a very interesting pitch, but you know, I think mine solves a very important need that um, we should be talking about. So we've all we've all been there, scrolling through social media, and all of a sudden you see a very upsetting viral video that may or may not be taken out of context, may or may not portray something that's happened recently, but who cares? You're angry, you're riled up, and you need to go be an activist. And so you and hundreds of other people, sometimes thousands, crowd the streets, disregarding social distancing measures, don't wear masks, go out there, raise your fist and start marching. But then you realize, I'm at this protest and I'm missing all the things I need to be an effective protester. Introducing protest in a box. In this box, we have lots, everything you'll need to be a peaceful and effective protester. So first we have a brick that you uh, will have available to use that you can throw through the windows of black owned businesses to make your point about racial justice. We also have a baseball bat to beat people that disagree with you and uh, a Molotov cocktail mixing kit. Perfect for all of those you know, times you need to set Wendy's on fire and a knee pad for when you need to kneel down and kiss the feet of black people and apologize to them. Um, but wait, if you call now, we'll also include this money sack that you can put all of your cash into for your reparations payments. And so thank you for supporting my, per my um, reparations in a box or protest in a box kit. And uh, that's my pitch. Wow. I have another I idea. Oh, oh, Will, go, go ahead. What's another idea? Is this one recycled from a TikTok skit as well? No, or, it's uh, not. No, no, this is all original. <laughs> okay. This one, imagine you're out in public and you see a nasty conservative person. And this conservative person has views that are different from your own and that maybe there are many of them and their facts and reasoning are hurting your brain. And so now introducing... The echo chamber, essentially, it carries with you like a briefcase, but you open it up and it turns into kind of a tent canopy and there's mirrors all inside and you can go inside of it and speak your ideas into it and they'll all bounce off and you can listen to yourself talking about the same ideas 
that you only hear everywhere else and you don't have to deal with those nasty conservatives. So wow. echo chamber in a box or in a briefcase. I've got to say you two are the the strongest contestants we've had thus far. Will with your first with your first idea, I'm end up I'm probably not going to invest in that one just because it requires black people to come to white people and I don't think that should ever be the case. As far as both of your ideas go, the protest in the box and the echo chamber, I will be investing a million dollars in both of these ideas. Thank you so much for being on Activist Shark Tank. Thank you. <laughs> and scene. Wow, those are some good ideas, guys. You should really run with this. I have another one. <laughs> oh, no. All right, we don't have to do another one. Well, your second idea is basically just like Twitter. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's Twitter, but in real life. Mm. So it's like Jack Dorsey huddling around you in real life, protecting you from all sorts of mean ideas that might Amazing hurt you. Amazing stuff. These are really strong ideas. I would really think about actually. So the reason we did this. Uh, Amala, do you want to introduce why we did this? Yes. Well, there is a new TV show that's going to be coming out featuring Usher, Julianne Huff, and uh, sorry, Priyanka Chopra, uh, featuring activists. They're going to be on this show shouting about their campaigns and doing social media activism. And the winner of the show is the person who gets the most social media engagement. It's honestly ridiculous. The Activist is a competition series that features six inspiring activists teamed with three high-profile public figures working together to bring meaningful change to one of three vitally important world causes, health, education, and environment. Activists go head-to-head -head in challenges to promote their causes with their success measured via online engagements. The three teams have one ultimate goal, to create impactful movements that amplify their message, drive action, and advance them to the G20 Summit in Rome, Italy. Wow. That's exciting. Do you think they'll have any conservatives on the show? I highly doubt it. <laughs> and if they do, it's going to be like in reality TV where they like edit their, their sound bites to make them look like the most evil person on earth. Exactly. They'll have like a free market activist and they'll make them look like the dumbest person on the show or something like that. It's just crazy to me that, well, it's actually not even crazy to me anymore. This is not surprising, but our entertainment used to be something that we could all share and watch and have a good time doing. And, you know, the Grammys and the Oscars and just entertainment in general used to be, for the most part, unbiased. You could watch them, have fun with your family. It would never be a problem. Now they are so overt in the fact that they don't care about that anymore, that they are quite literally incentivizing people. And I'm assuming these are going to be a lot of young people to be political activists. It's no longer about entertainment anymore. Everything is towards some sort of agenda or cause. I know you can no longer have something that's just for fun to watch. It has to have some sort of direct political message at you. And this series is produced by Global Citizen, the international education and advocacy organization working to catalyze the movement to end extreme poverty that produced the recent Vax Live, a concert to reunite the world, CBS and Deviant Media. Wow. That sounds like something I would love to watch. Oh, me too. Sounds like a James Corden special probably. Another person who I'm not a huge fan. James Corden is in that new Cinderella movie. You know oh, what I'm talking about? As Cinderella? I don't think so. <laughs> no. But that would be fitting. Mayo Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Camilla Cabello is Cinderella, which is quite strange. I thought Cinderella was supposed to be blonde. Well, I also thought the fairy godmother was supposed to be a mother, but now he's a fairy right. godman. Right. Anybody can be anything now, so it doesn't really Sounds matter. Sounds delightful. Did you hear about the movie? Mm -hmm. About what they're doing in the movie. Uh, now that you say that, yeah, I remember when they cast the yeah. drag queen guy or whatever. But in the, the movie, Godmother. they are making it so that the prince comes to Cinderella and Cinderella turns the prince down. 
because she wants to go and pursue her own career. She wants to go do her dress business. How inspiring. Can't, How wait, inspiring. can't wait for my daughters to watch that one day. I know. Like, what's the point of even having a fairy godmother if you're just going to go work at some dress company? On Rotten Tomatoes, Scott just pulled it up. 46% tomato meter, 68% audience score. Wow, audience. What's wrong with you? That's On way Cinderella? too bad. So the yeah. audience likes it more than the critics? That's a first. That blows my mind. Usually the woke movies, it's like the critics are like, yeah, 99%. And then the audience is like 2%. Everyone hated it. <laughs> exactly. Both of the scores add up to 100%. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but that movie looks absolutely horrible. I am oh, not garbage. watching it. Disney, Disney has gone incredibly downhill, as we've seen from some of their other shows they have on Disney+. Plus. And everything just has to be political now. Why can't – first of all, you don't need to remake Cinderella. Secondly, you don't need a show about activism. And thirdly – you don't need any of it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and fourthly, my ideas were great. Yeah, it's so stupid. I'm just over it. And I think it's just going to get worse from here. There's going to be more TV shows that incentivize this sort of activism. And it's almost as if you can't go on TV anymore. If I, like I, I've been watching TV for my hotel room. The only channel that I'll go to is Comedy Central. Everything else that I turn on is like, oh, politics, 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 politics. Oh, some of it's covert. Some of it's over. It's, it doesn't matter. It's in there in some way, shape or form. I'm surprised you're even safe on Comedy Central. I don't think you are. Uh, yeah, South Park really. in the office. Yeah, the old stuff. Yeah. The, the but they're canceling time. office episodes now that, um, that aren't woke enough or violate new PC stuff. And Key and Peele used to be so funny. I loved Key and Peele. One of the best sketch shows ever made. I mean, almost, not as good as Chappelle's show, but I mean, it's really good. The old episodes of Key and Peele are really good. And they've, they've lost their way. They've made it all so much stuff about wokeness and police shootings and black people and all that and made it so they alienate their audience. Like it's not good at all anymore. Yeah. And I would say like it's, it's not just that it's, it's bad to make political shows. It's the, the cost of politicizing, um, everything in media is that you shrink and eliminate the the shared space that are our, our cult uh, that exists in our culture where people who might otherwise disagree on politics can come together and enjoy what is just genuinely good art or comedy or whatever or you know movie or story or whatever it may be and that there's something that is important about keeping a culture together and 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 keeping us you know having common ground as a society and even in sports now, all those spaces have just shrunk. And um, obviously that's, you know, it's not a good thing. Everything the left touches, it destroys. And look, when you have these shows that talk about police brutality or activism or whatever it is, look at this. Missouri city police chief unexpectedly resigns along with every single officer. Wow. How, what, what is going to happen? Imagine someone murders someone or someone breaks into your house. Who are you supposed to call? Not yeah. Ghostbusters. There's no one left to call. Because the police are quitting from their jobs. Yeah, a Missouri true. police chief and all of his officers tendered their resignation, citing reasons from the pay rate to not having the proper tools to do the job because they defunded the police, leaving local leaders scrambling to fill the positions as many departments already struggle to stay staffed during the anti-police climate that swept the nation. 
And this is not surprising. We predicted this on the show that with everything happening right now, not only with politics and policing, but actual funding and policing and resourcing and policing, that nobody's going to want to do it anymore. And the people who have signed up to do that, who are tenured police officers who've been doing it for decades, are going to leave. Because first of all, they're not being paid enough. Their job is completely politicized. They're hated by their community. They're hated by the government. And their hands are tied behind their backs. When we did our police ride along, the police talked to us about how they're functioning on computers from the early early 2000s, and they can't even properly do arrests anymore because of all the politicization of their job. Uh, so it's not surprising at all that these guys are leaving. Yeah, and right here it says, in the meantime, the Stone County Sheriff's Office will handle emergency calls until the department is staffed. So how horrible is that, that now this other police department has to 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 pick up the slack on this other police department because all the people quit because the benefits were so bad to actually be in the police department. So now you're putting it on other people to handle those problems because you made it so bad. Imagine, excuse me, imagine if the Stone County Sheriff Office, imagine if they all quit now because mm-hmm. their pay was bad or they wanted to defund them or, or there weren't enough benefits or they didn't have a police clerk as, as mentioned in this article. What would happen then? I mean, seriously, what what is going to happen if all of the police officers quit their jobs? I mean, if you put yourself in the shoes of these officers, though, would you do the same thing? Quit? Yeah. Yeah, I would quit. If it was underfunded and you... Yeah, of course. I'm not blaming the officers at all. We're blaming the system that created this this culture now that Mm -hmm. they want to quit. I would be leaving my job as well. Like I said, they're not paid enough to do what they have to do. They're not treated well enough to do what they have to do. It's no surprise that after this guy leaves... Uh, it, it encouraged other men to do the same because what what else is there to do in that point? I'm sure they all have families. They all have people that they want to protect and provide for, and they're not given the uh, the avenues to do so. Oh, and everyone hates them. I mean, that's that's a horrible fate to have everyone in your community that you are trying to keep safe hate you. It's just a crazy thing that it's, this seems like a recurring theme in our time is like, you know, do you allow things to get worse in order to you know, expose how bad the ideas behind these policies are um, in the hopes that it will finally hit rock bottom and things will turn around. And I feel like, you know, do you say, California, you guys are just, this is too much, I'm out of here. And, you know, what you guys can sink as far as you want to sink and, and maybe you'll hit rock bottom one day, maybe not. And that seems to be a similar thing of what these cops are doing. Like, hey, we're, you guys are making ridiculous policies. I'm putting my life on the line here, but you're underfunding me. You're putting me at greater risk, and I can't even arrest the criminals that um, are out there. That we can't do do our jobs like we learned on the police ride along. And you know, it's an interesting like moral question of like, is it is it the right thing to do to just be like, I want to expose your bad the people in power for their bad ideas for what they are. So I'm gonna step aside and say, okay, you guys. Have fun doing this without me. Yeah, it's a tough question to answer because at what point is it too late to revert back? It's like once we've proven that the ideas are bad and the ideas are bad for society and they're causing all of this destruction, are we still able to revert back to our old ways to get away from those bad ideas? And if we're not, then no, it's not great at all. And and that's what we're experiencing right now with this sort of tyrannical policy and legislation that's happening. It's if it's too late, it's too late. And we can show how bad it is and how destructive it is. But if we're stuck in it, we're stuck in it. So where's the line? That's exactly right. And the, the, these first responders are some of the bravest people. Yeah. We, we know the same thing. We say it all the time. There's some bad cops, whatever, you know. But if, if all the cops are quitting, then you're only going to have bad cops. 
you're only going to have the bottom of the barrel because the good cops don't want to deal with this type of rhetoric anymore. And some of the greatest first responders ever in this country were some of the first responders who responded to the calls on 9-11. And so we have an interview that we did with Jill Simonian from PragerU Kids about Otto's Tales, a new, a new book about 9-11 that will be perfect for your kids, and also just about the day in general and our remembrance. So we're going to get right into that. But first, I, I just want to mention something that I think is really important. I know a lot of you guys who are watching this right now, you're probably thinking all the stuff that happened yesterday that was announced and mandates and things like that. Why aren't we talking about that and going into it? I just want to say, you know, with PragerU nonprofit status, it is somewhat difficult for us to go in and talk about this right now. We have to figure out exactly how we can talk about it. But I want you guys to know that, you know, we haven't forgotten about you and, and, and forgotten about all this stuff going on. So we're we're focusing on other things on the show today. But our, our advice that we can give you today and hopefully come back with more next week is that I'm getting, I mean, literally, I put out a video yesterday, a reel about, about all of this, and you can check it out on my Instagram. And I'm getting literally hundreds of messages from people asking me what to do. And as of now, I can tell you right now that you have to be brave with all of this stuff going on. The things that you will be faced with in the future when with, with all of this happening with your job, with being in the military, whatever, is incredibly scary. And you have to live life one day at a time and every single day be, be brave. And I know that making these kinds of decisions is incredibly hard. It's incredibly difficult to do. But you have to think about what you're sacrificing. You have to weigh those things together, you know, sacrificing the truth, sacrificing your values, or maybe you don't have the opportunity because you have a job or, or, or you have to provide for your family. You're a single mother or, or a teacher, whatever it might be. I understand that these things are really hard, but I just want all of you guys to know you got to stay brave and hopefully we'll be back next week to, to talk more about it. So, but anyway, let's get into this interview with Jill Simonian. What's up, Jill? Hi, Will. So if you guys don't know who Jill is... Jill is with PragerU Kids. Yes. She is the face of PragerU Kids. And the personality. And the per Okay, all right, fine. Jill and also, the voice and yeah. the brains. <laughs> Jill is the everything. All of the things. Okay. No, it's a whole team. It is a whole team. It's a you, whole team. It's but a when we're doing PragerU Kids stuff, prep things, you read all the Autotales story times. I do. I it, do. And they're incredible. Thank you. Even for me at 25, newly 25, I still enjoy them too. Regardless of them being made for children. Because they're things that, that kids just don't know about. It's that they universal. Need to be taught in the right way. It's universal. At PragerU Kids, we like to say it's for ages 4 through 104. Uh-huh. That's good. Well, I'm not 104 yet, but I'm getting closer. You'll and get so there. we just did a new Otto's Tales on 9-11. And so we brought you on today to talk about this Otto's Tales book and what it really means. Yes. Okay, so here I have it. I know you got your video, but I got the hard copy old-fashioned version that all of us like to read. This, obviously, Otto's Tales today is September 11th. This is part of our children's book series that began in the summer, and what we're doing is we're releasing one book per month for the next year, and it's tied to an American holiday, an American event, an American historical date. Every month we have something new. The first book was the National Anthem and Pledge of Allegiance. You guys talked about it, obviously, here. But this next one was super, super difficult to really discuss how are we going to do this in a way, how are we going to talk to, how are we going to, how are we going to create this resource to teach children and talk about what happened on September 11th with them? 
Uh, it is the 20th anniversary. We wanted to do it in a way that would honor the fallen, honor the heroes, never forget, truly never forget, because this is one of the most difficult things, you know, one of the most horrible attacks America has ever endured. And and we went back and forth with the team and we came to the conclusion, look, this is really difficult to do, but it's important to do because kids are not learning our history. And this is a tragic day, but kids, students, young students, elementary school students need to be introduced to our history in age-appropriate ways because what happened after 9-11 was that we united as a country. We continued to forge ahead with courage, and that's what America stands for, and that's who we are as Americans. And so so we really, um, you know, i got to say we've gotten so much positive feedback about this book. That's so good. much positive that's feedback. That's really good. Yeah. What do you think makes this book and just in general all the other PragerU kids books different from, you know, some mom goes to Barnes & Noble or Target and picks up some other book about 9-11 for kids? What is different about this book and, and other PragerU kids books? What I personally found, I mean, I'm a mom, I have two element, elementary school kids, and there are several books that do address September 11th, Patriot Day, but the stories are framed in a very symbolic way where you know if you go if you go to the bookstore if you go to Amazon you'll find books about September 11th and it talks about a tree or that it talks about uh you know the firefighters which obviously we honor our first responders on that day and every day of course but this book is unique because it is the only book that I found as a mom that told the story of actually what happened i mean we addressed in very age-appropriate ways, in a very scratch-the-surface, generalized way, we talk about America was attacked. There was a group called Al-Qaeda. I mean, we, dis we bring this up in this book, and it's framed in a very uh, broad history lesson. And I have not found any other children's book that actually offers that kind of truth in history when it comes to this day for a children's book. Ramla, do you have anything? <laughs> I was waiting for you to introduce me. You haven't even seen <laughs> oh, I'll just do it. Just I haven't forgotten there. about you, Amala. Oh, no, I think it's great. I think it, it does uh, approach the matter in a nuanced way, and we can never forget that kids are going to be exposed to this sort of subject matter. They're not going to go to school and just never learn about 9-11 or never hear about it. I know most schools do a moment of silence on that day, and I remember being a kid and being confused. What was the moment of silence for? What are we talking about? So having a resource like this is super important. Thank you for that. And I do want to add, uh, a lot of schools do teach about 9-11 and Patriot Day and what it's about. But for me in particular, this book is very, very personal because last year when my older daughter's class did the quote unquote 9-11 lesson, there was not a shred of historical facts that were included about what happened. What and I, I mean, I remember I was watching the Zoom, we were all on distance learning, and the teacher presented this telling of, oh, you know, it was a very scary day and I was watching TV and she and I and I and I appreciate that everyone shares their personal stories when talking about 9-11 because it all gutted us. But she didn't give any sort of 
his, historical f- framework for these kids who were in upper elementary school about who attacked us, why did they attack us, but what happened in the days after, how President Bush addressed the nation, how the country united together, how people were helping, how first responder. you know, she didn't go into any of that, and all of these kids were you know, on the Zoom asking questions, who attacked us, what happened? And she didn't answer anything. And I, as a parent, had a real problem with that. And I remember weeks after I brought it up with the school administration and I said, why was this not talked about? These were not kindergartners or first graders. This was up elementary school. These kids are asking questions. And the teacher's response was, well, I don't really like to teach about September 11th, Jill, because I don't feel the same way about it as you do. And what does that mean? I don't know what that means, but I know how I feel about it. I feel that it is an important day in history that children need to learn that it was something that emotionally gutted us as a nation and that we had to forge ahead. I mean, I, I feel very strongly about what happened that day. And for her to look at me, knowing what my point of view was, and for her to say, I don't feel the same way about it, I thought, well, what do you mean? Do you not appreciate America? Do you not want children to know their history? It was very, very strange. Yeah. And that was an alarm. Yeah, take take feelings out of it. It, it is objectively one of the most uh, important days in American history. And to just say, well, I don't feel a certain way about it, so I'm not going to teach what is objectively one of the most significant days in our history, it makes absolutely no sense. Right, right. And that, that's one of the driving factors that really keeps pushing us to create these books for kids because so much of what we all know is standard that children should be learning about is really being excluded, wrongfully excluded. So yeah, so sept- today is September 11th. It really is an important book, and we, we're, we're, we're presenting it as a resource and a tool for parents to obviously read, determine whether your child is ready to broach this topic and use this as a tool and a resource to open what's a very difficult conversation. And our next book is uh, Columbus Day, because we all know that Columbus Day has also been canceled. Oh, I schools. love Columbus Day. So that's our next I think one. Columbus yeah. Day is a great day. I'm all about it. Good. I, we just looked at that Chris Rufa thing that said if you celebrate Columbus Day, it's uh, covert white supremacy. So. Oh, look out. Yeah, no, I'm celebrating even harder this year. <laughs> You're going. He's, Will's going all in. <laughs> going all in. But it's important because if they don't know the history, then how are they supposed to look at the, the world that it is now? I mean, especially with all the stuff that's happening in Afghanistan today and across the Middle East that's happened for the last 20 years – how, how, how are these kids who are, have now grown up, have graduated high school, graduated college, looking at the world, but were never taught those kind of values? I mean, how are they supposed to know what they're supposed to think about the world? They have right. no idea. Right, right. And I think the same thing. I mean, we look, you know, admittedly, I continue to learn about history. I am, you know, I, I went to school, I took history classes, all that, but by no means am I a, a historian. But I'm continuing to learn about it, and I'm looking at, Afghanistan right now what's happening and you know working backwards and I think you and I have talked about this working backwards the, the, our presence what's happening and what happened is happening in Afghanistan now dates back to 20 years ago and it's rooted within what happened on 9-11 right. and if kids do not learn our history how are they going to understand the world around them you have no idea. they're not 
you can't just eliminate history. It's all interwoven. It's all interlinked. And especially with the whole, you know, history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. And it doesn't matter if you don't know history at all. And I think that's what's fueling a lot of the hate towards this country, especially with young people. It's just not having a vantage point about American history and not knowing anything about what has happened uh, in our nation. So I think what you guys are doing is great. I think PragerU Kids is great. Thank you. What we are doing. We're all, all in this of together. us. We're all in this together. Yeah, like High School Musical. You guys remember that? You're gonna, yes. Yeah, you know. Who right. wants to sing? Yeah. Well, we're not all in that Will together. Will can be Zac Efron. Yeah, right. I'll be Corbin cord, Blue. It's Corbin Blue, right? Corbin? Corbin, Corbin Blue. All right, no. Corbin Blue is the chicken with the ham in it, which I love. Oh, my God. Swiss cheese, Corbin very tasty. Blue. Jill, we really appreciate you coming on doing this. Where can people get the book? Okay, so you can go to our website, PragerU.com slash kids books to see all of our books and offerings. The book is on Amazon. Last week, it hit number one in a variety of categories, wow. which, uh, yeah, which is always encouraging because it just shows what, uh, you know, it shows how many people really are craving content like this for our kids that celebrate American values. So PragerU.com slash kids books, and then always watch our free shows at PragerU.com slash kids. We have a companion video story time where I'm reading the story with Otto. Um, I'm reading today is September 11th. So you can also watch that with your children as a way to open the conversation. But all of our videos are free and we want you to join us and support us and become a member of PrEP because that's what keeps our videos free. Should. So get the book and watch the video. Jill can read this to me later. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for watching, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jill, for coming on. You guys can Thank find you. her on Instagram, on Twitter. Fab Mom. Is that your handle? Yeah. yeah. No, it's Jill Simonian. <laughs> oh, Jill Simonian, yeah. the Fab Mom. <laughs> Sorry to call you out like that a little no, bit. No, I love it. I love she's it. She's on there. So you guys can go I'm find her, follow her, and get more PragerU prep content. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. So yeah, I hope that's helpful for you guys watching. I know 9-11 is a really tough subject to talk about and, and PragerU kids got on it and created that book so that you can do that with your children because we know it's going to come up. Now, we spoke a little bit earlier about everything that's happening right now in our world and how it can be really, really difficult. But we found a video from the Academy of Ideas, a great YouTube channel. You should go and check them out about how to deal with sort of the sickness that is happening right now in this world. So we're going to get right into that. Alexander Solzhenitsyn reflecting on the Soviet Union's descent into totalitarian rule in the mid-20th century, and all the things that could have been done to prevent it, wrote the following. If, if, we didn't love freedom enough, and even more, we had no awareness of the real situation, we hurried to submit. We submitted with pleasure. We purely and simply deserved everything that happened afterward. The 20th century clearly shows that totalitarianism is not a solution to any problem, but a social ill of the most horrific kind. More innocent men, women, and children were killed by the totalitarian regimes of the 20th century than by natural disasters, pandemics, or even the two world wars. If, therefore, we are unfortunate enough to be living in a world flirting with the sickness of totalitarianism, what can we do to escape? In this video, relying on the insights of those who studied and lived under totalitarian rule, we are going to explore what is called the forward escape from the control of the cruel and twisted minds of would-be totalitarians. It's important to remember that there's a lot of people out there who think that this just can't happen. 
I, I tweeted about this a little while ago because I, I see this all over from mostly people on the left who will say, you know, well, you know, we have shiny social media and we have our food delivered on apps and, and the world is so technologically advanced now. Totalitarian, that's a thing of the past. You know, we don't, we don't have to deal with that kind of stuff anymore. What are we in the Middle Ages? It's, that's just so untrue. Especially when you look at the world right now and things that are happening across the world. I mean, the, the steps to totalitarianism are literally happening right around you in your own country, in your own community. But people don't see it because now we have all these shiny things that act as a shield or a mask or a, a soma, if you will, Brave New World, that mask out this totalitarian principle. So there's a, a, a weird thought that people think that these kind of things can happen, but they surely can they surely can. I want people to be ready for it and prepared that it's like we're not we're not just thinking that this is something from the past. This can happen now. Right. It's true. And it, not only can it happen, but it's the easiest thing to have happen. Because when you have somebody who stands there and says, well, I'll take care of you. I'll make sure that everything is fine. And I'll make sure that you remain in all the comforts of your life that you have currently. That's the easiest thing to do. It's so much harder to, to fight for your God-given rights, to fight for your individualism. It is so much easier to submit to somebody. And I think this video sort of highlights that. Yeah. The part that stuck out to me is how he, they said um, at the very beginning, we the Solzhenitsyn quote, he said, we deserved what happened, you know, because we complied, because we didn't stand up. And, you know, I've thought about that in reference to some of the craziness that we experience in California. It's like, you know, California deserves the terrible quality of life and the homelessness and the taxes and all that stuff. Be, the, the people deserve it because they keep voting for it. And in the same way, like as this, the cloud of tyranny descends over our country, uh, it's like we we will deserve it if the majority of the people um, just comply and go along with it. That's you, you know, you, what you sow is what you reap or what you get, what's what you're asking for. Um, but all that underscores the importance of people who see through it to stand up because now's the time to fight like hell to make sure it doesn't happen and to wake up as many people as you can. Cause you, you know, you could just sit back and say, well, let it come. They deserve it or whatever. But um, once it's lost, it's lost. Kind of like Amlo was saying so. We will contrast it with two other ways to escape from the hardships of living through an attempted totalitarian takeover, the backward escape and the physical escape. The backward escape entails dulling one's awareness of the reality and precariousness of one's situation through the use of drugs and alcohol or by zoning out in front of screens for hours on end. Soma. The backward escape can provide short-term relief to feelings of anxiety, depression and boredom. But the more one relies on such activities, the more one's mental health deteriorates. Furthermore, the backward escape does nothing to prevent the rise of totalitarianism, as it promotes docility, passivity, and apathy, all traits that make people more manipulable and controllable, or as Dr. Joost Mirlo explained in his book on totalitarianism. The cult of passivity and so-called relaxation is one of the most dangerous developments of our times. Essentially, it represents a camouflage pattern, the double wish not to see the dangers and challenges of life and not to be seen. Silent, lonely relaxation with alcohol, sweets, or the television screen may soothe the mind into a passivity that may gradually make it vulnerable to the seductive ideology of some feared enemy. Denying the danger of totalitarianism through passivity may gradually surrender to its blandishments those who were initially afraid of it. The 
apathy is a much greater pandemic than COVID ever was mm. because people come on and tell you that the government is going to take care of you. Someone else is going to take care of you. And so people are not worried about the things that are going on within the world. And that's a really scary thing because we are so convinced again, like I was just talking about before how like people think our world is too good to, to go through totalitarianism. That is the lie that they have told you. They have pushed that on you to say, oh, we're too civilized for something like this. And that's what they've lied to you about to make you apathetic, to make you think that you don't need to fight, that everything is just going to work itself out. Everything's taken care of. You know, you can order your food on your phone and look at pictures of naked women on videos online. It's like it's it's too civilized, like you're going to be taken care of. And that lie is what has made people apathetic and made them think that they don't need to fight. And then they turn to these other things. They turn to these things, especially like Juice Merlo said about, you know, going to your screen or or sweets or, or alcohol abuse or drug abuse. They turn to those things because they assume that everything else is going to be fine when it's not. And that's a great lie that they've told you. Don't fall for it. Right. And we're so in, indulgent in these things to to pacify ourselves that the real reality is that most people are not even going to realize that we're under a totalitarian regime by the time we are. And look at what everybody did during these lockdowns. Exactly what you said. Porn, alcoholism, drug abuse, Netflix, just sitting in front of your screen. And it was sort of a conditioning to just to get you ready for this. And, and everybody's fine with that. No, no social interaction. People all masked up, not being able to see anybody's emotions. Yeah, it, it's we've all pacified ourselves uh, to the point where we're getting the wool pulled over our eyes. There's also a thing with this that I just want to bring up real quick too. When we're talking about things like, oh, watching Netflix or, or porn or, or, or eating bad food or something like that, you know, it comes from a place of not shame. You don't want to shame people for doing these things. You know, we all do it. I do it. Amla does it. Taylor does it. We all, we all do, we all do things that are pretty stupid and we waste our time on things all the time. That's just what human nature essentially is in the 21st century. But there's a difference between realizing that these things are, are not so great for you and trying to be better about it and saying, okay, maybe tonight I'm not going to watch as much Netflix and I'm going to go and read or do something like that. Maybe you even go and read my new book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, which you can pre-order now. But it's like, taking active steps to improve your life in that way and not saying, oh, it's all just fine. And anyone who tells me that this lifestyle isn't fine is is weird or, or just trying to control me. It's like, I think that there are things going on that we can all realize are not that good for you. And we should all try to work on these things to be better because that's why people are apathetic because they only waste their time on these kinds of things. An alternative to the backward escape is the physical escape which is to relocate to a place that offers more freedom. This form of escape has many benefits, for given that we have one chance at life. Why not live somewhere absent the stifling control of corrupt and power-hungry politicians and bureaucrats? But there are problems with this form of escape. Firstly, for many people, it is not practical to pack up and move to a new land. Furthermore, if we live at a time when the rise of tyranny is a global phenomenon, the practicality of the physical escape diminishes further, as the sought-after pockets of freedom are few and far between. What is more, if totalitarianism is permitted to proliferate, the places that are free now may not remain so for long. Running away, like escaping backward, is not the ideal solution to the rise of totalitarianism. Instead, the solution is to escape forward into a new and better reality. What does the forward escape entail? So one thing to bring up here, I think is interesting, is I'm I'm 
I'm very split on, on this, on, on going to places than like, like if you have a bunch of conservative people or a bunch of, don't even have to be conservative, just people who, who share good values. And you say, we want to go balkanize and we want to all get into a town in, in Idaho and start our own town and have, and have your school board that teaches the right things to children and have church community values and things like that. It's hard to tell if whether those things, it's like, obviously that's good in a vacuum. Having a community like that where you live is good in a vacuum. But again, like he's saying in the video, there are the totalitarianism eventually will probably reach you as well. So you can balkanize and go out and, 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 and make your own society and do all these things, but eventually it will reach you. I mean, it's like Mordor. It's like he starts there in the east, but then eventually the powers of Mordor and the ring creep into all of Middle Earth. I mean, it's the mm -hmm. same thing, you know? So you have to be mindful of that if you try and move somewhere else. Like you leave California to move to Texas and you're like, well, I guess everything's just going to be better now and you don't have to do anything. That's that's not how it works. Mordor will reach the Shire. Mordor will reach the, the Shire. The Shire really does embody like that that you know quintessential. Hey, we've got our safe little life, and we've got good food, and we've got you know our our lifestyle that we enjoy, and and you know we're just safe here. But the problem with that is there's a big, dark, scary world out there, and it will come to get you if you just choose to remain ignorant. The forest of Buckland will burn. <laughs> there won't be a Shire, Pip. No comment, Amala. <laughs> <laughs> Not after the Lord of the Rings stuff, no. <laughs> no stifled. The notion that totalitarianism can be defeated through compliance. Many people cede to the commands of would-be totalitarians because they believe that so doing is the quickest means to return to some semblance of normality. Mm. But this is a cowardly and ignorant way to act. For compliance only emboldens totalitarian regimes a point emphasized by the political philosopher Hannah Arendt in her book, The Origins of Totalitarianism. Well, I think we'll end it here today. We're going to get into some other stuff in the show. But talking about this one, this one is incredibly important, this point that he just made in the video. And I think it might be the most important point that we are looking at right now, because I do this on social media. I do this here on the show. Amla does as well. And we talk about things, like especially on my social media. I mean, I put out this video yesterday, which you guys can go look on my Instagram at the Will Wit and see that I was talking about compliance to, to things that I think are unfair and totalitarian. And there's people in the replies and saying, you know, just do it. You know, why not just do it? Why don't you just just do what these people want you to do? Why don't you just walk into a store and and wear a mask? Or why don't you just crawl on all fours? Because that if they said that you slither along the ground with Vaseline on you like an eel, then you'll cure COVID, right? Just do it. Fine. It's for the greater good. It's so annoying because that's not an argument in, in terms of any sort of logic. Because saying just do it because someone else told you to do it is not a good no. faith argument. All it is is a bad faith argument. And so people who say that to me when I say something that you shouldn't do, people say it's not that big of a deal. Just do it. Just do it. It is a bad argument to make because you are not giving me any sort of reasoning on why that is good for me. Just because someone else said it does not mean that it's good for me. Right. That doesn't help me in any way. So if you're going to, to counter the things that I say, say here's why you should do it. Not because just do it because it's easy and someone else told me to do it. That is a horrible argument. And it's why we are in the position we are now because people say, well, just do it. And that's, exactly. that's the loser mentality. I am not a loser.
that's how it gets its grasp on your society is with these little things that just do it. Well, at first it's, oh, just wear a mask. And then secondly, it's just make everybody wear a mask. And then it's just get this medical treatment. And then it's just force your employees to get this medical treatment. And then it becomes, well, just rat out on your neighbor who has refused to get it so that we can take care of them so that you can go back to normal life. It's always going to be something else. It's always going to be something more. It is never just do this. And whenever somebody uses that statement, it, it never applies to just that. It's a laundry list of things that people are trying to control about your life that are not going to give you any semblance of reality, any semblance of your normal life before all of this. So you have to fight back against that. And yeah, there's, there's a very strong pressure when everyone else is on, hey, we're on the in-group. We, um, we're the ones who are for the greater good and we're listening to the experts. But the problem is those people have sacrificed their own uh, like free thinking and ability to uh, look at data for themselves and make choices for themselves. And ultimately, when you do that, when you sacrifice your integrity as a person and you're not doing something because you've looked at facts for yourself and you've made a personal choice based on your own assessment of things to uh, to do whatever you're going to do, uh, you've sacrificed your integrity as as a person. And that that is what makes you weak and compliant. And then you want to justify that. So then you want to pressure everyone else to do to make the same sacrifice that you've made. Um, and then you re reconstruct it in your mind to be like, I've, I've done this great moral thing by sacrificing my individuality for the greater good. But in reality, you've just stopped thinking for yourself and you've just become a sheep. And uh, that is how you descend into tyranny, because now you have a society full of sheep who are too afraid to question whatever the, the mainstream narrative is. And that is how you get into tyranny. Again, not trying to shame people no. at all. I understand how hard this is. This is this could potentially, because of the place that America is in, the decisions that you make within the next six months to a year here in America could potentially be the most important decisions you've ever made in your life. And I don't say that lightly. I really mean that. Yeah. With the things that I'm seeing, I mean, I'm, I'm in this very closely. I'm researching every day looking at things that everyone's saying, talking to people in, in bureaucracy and, and administration, all this. I'm talking to people all the time and researching. And I'm like, it's getting close. You need to realize that the situations that are coming and the, the choices that you make are dire and incredibly important. I don't want to scare everyone. I'm not nihilistic. But I'm just saying that that you have a chance to be incredibly great and stand up or you have a chance to comply. And that is the choice that you have to make. It's very true. I was watching a video of Morgan Zegers talking about the Federalist Papers this morning, and she talked about how in the first Federalist Paper, how Alexander Hamilton wrote this question. And it's, are we as humans, as Americans, are we good enough people to really understand how important reason and choice are? Or are we going to fall victim to accident and power and tyranny? And right now is that tipping point. Here's the line. Are we people of reason and choice or are we people of accident, power and tyranny? And just decide that for yourself. And if you're a person of reason and choice, you know exactly what you need to do. We don't have to tell you what what you what you need to do or what we think you should do you know in your heart you know in your mind you know in your soul what you should be doing also you can't rely on the constitution right now to protect you that's, that's we, we are getting to a point where it's past that they're stamping on our liberties all over the place the seven f seventh amendment due process first amendment rights i mean all of these these different things they're stamping all over and and people will just say well it's unconstitutional yeah, it's unconstitutional. We know it's unconstitutional. So it's time for you to do something about it because it's not happening with our leadership. What is our leadership doing? What are the people who, who we think are actually supposed to defend us? What are they doing? 
right? The people who are supposedly have my best interest at heart, what are they doing? There are only a few cases of people who agree with things that I believe in, who I feel like are actually being very brave and doing the right thing. But the other ones, I mean, throw them in with the left. They're doing the exact same things and not standing for my values or my liberty. So this is a, a, a time that is somewhat an individual battle for you, that you have to make these decisions. It's not easy. I understand that. I have to keep reiterating this because every time after the show, I get people I say these things, they're messaging me and saying, well, you don't have to deal with this and that. And it's like, I understand that. I understand I don't have to deal with that. But I'm I'm going to tell you guys the truth about the situation regardless and tell you that this is what I believe is right and that it is not easy. All right, let's move into a fun segment. <laughs> <laughs> after all that. <laughs> yeah, after, after all that. Again, it's scary. So let's let's brighten people's day a little bit with our final segment of the day. And this is our rapid, are we doing? This is underrated, rapid overrated? Reviews. Rapid reviews. Rapid reviews. Oh, so we're just it on your screen. I know, but I'm saying I thought we decided over it. All right, fine. So we're reviewing these things rapidly. So Amala, let's not let's not dwell. Too, oh, too okay. That's my sense, problem. Okay? That's my You're problem. You're kind of a dweller. <laughs> no, but a good dweller. It's good dwellings. Okay, so we're going over these things and reviewing them and giving our takes on them. So the first one, pumpkin spice latte. This is fall themed, by the way. Yeah, it's rapid reviews fall edition. Fall edition. Yes. This is a zero for me. Zero out of 10 immediately. And that's my rapid review. They're gross. Zero out of 10? <laughs> I love pumpkin spice lattes. Zero. I love pumpkin spice in general. Just yeah, it's, it's great. so quintessential fall. Um, so tastes good. Lattes, candles, uh, muffins, whatever it is, pumpkin mm -hmm. spice is where it's at. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I, I give it a nine. Are you guys going to give it a number? Nine. Nine? I'll, I'll go nine. I don't want to be, I'm not like full, you know, um, rain Not boots and, and flannel and vest uh, with leggings, girl and fall pumpkin spice. But I'm I'm nine up. I'm up there. <laughs> get, get your Ugg boots out, boys. That's to be a pumpkin spice <laughs> latte fall. Yeah, flannels. I like flannels. Flannels on yeah. girls and guys, or just on guys? What are we asking? I love I love flannels on girls. Actually, I think oh, it's really? very cute when girls wear flannels. I'm like a big fan of it. Flannels Not with a fan what? Of flannels on women. Just the flannel. <laughs> Just the flannel. <laughs> oh my god. No, I, I I love girls in flannels. I think it's like a really good look. Depending on how they do it, you know. You have girls who wear flannels in their Well, I know it's such like a broad thing. Horse girl, but yeah, there's like the hipster flannel too yeah. that's like all ratty and yeah. bad looking, but there's a taste tasteful flannels, I'm in for it. For sure. Okay. Yeah. All right, what's your number? Guys, I'm not like a huge like flannel person, but it's definitely like should everyone should have a flannel or two yeah. in the yeah. in the wardrobe so i'll give it like a seven yeah i think i have seven flannels so i'll give it a seven as well i'm anti-flannels for women and if men are going to wear flannels right. they um, have to be like we're we're going to cut amala off of yeah why are you just <laughs> a contrarian amala. why do you hate I'm the fall i'm anti-flannels for women and i think if men are going to wear flannels they have to be like the rustic lumberjack type flannels so i'm going to give yeah, flannels a six okay well uh, i guess we'll let you know <laughs> fine robert frost <laughs> I'm going to give a two to Robert Frost. Why is that? You guys don't know who Robert Frost is. He's a poet. Yes, he is. Yeah, I couldn't name one Robert Frost poem or line right now, so I'm just going to say zero. Well, I don't know why you wanted to include this. Because Robert Frost is a famous poet that white girls quote in the fall. They'll take a picture in the leaves and they'll use a Robert Frost quote as their Instagram caption and think that they're so cultured. <laughs> um. 
let me think. I I only know like two Robert Frost poems. So with that being said, I'm going to give him a four because those two poems are really good. <laughs> One, I studied an AP lit about an old man trekking through the woods and then subsequently falling asleep or dying, as some may say, but uh, four. The roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. What is the name of that one poem, though? Uh, it's something about on a snowy evening. No yeah, they're all like some snowy evening or longing yeah, for something. I give them a four. I give them a four or five. Five. I don't, I don't horror movies. Zero. Horror movies, Amala. Uh, six. Six? I am, I am somewhat anti-horror movie as well with Taylor. I, I give it a three. I, I like some horror movies. My favorite Halloween movie is Halloween, the original Halloween. John Carpenter, but uh, most horror movies, especially now, I mean, horror movies now are just jump scares. There's no story. There's nothing exciting about them to actually make you afraid except for, you know, peeing your pants when the goblin comes out of the closet. There's nothing that's actually interesting about them. So, yeah, three. What constitutes yeah. a horror movie to you? Like, if something is, a movie is like super gory, it has like gory, like fighting and kidnapping. And anything stuff like that, slasher, horror. gory, or that has demons or like terrible possession, crazy stuff, it's like, okay. I don't want to watch that. But okay. I can deal with like spooky or scary or suspenseful or stuff like that. Yeah. That's fine. Taylor can deal with Halloween Town. I know that's pretty scary, but he's like, <laughs> able to handle Halloween that. Too. That's pushing it, buddy. <laughs> I, yeah, I like some, but most are yeah. pretty. I give it a five. I'll, I'll give it a five, not a six, but. Wow. I don't, I don't trust horror movie enthusiasts. I'm like, there's something. Oh, me neither. What's wrong with your soul? You're so <laughs> yeah. attracted to that. <laughs> well, it's because they're not even like horror. It's like people who go and watch horror movies now. It's like you just want to see something jump out of you, jump out of you. That's not fun. I don't, under I don't understand the thrill seeking of like, I want to feel like I could die at any moment. Like people who go to Halloween Horror Nights and things like that. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you would like that. I have been to like haunted corn mazes and stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. That stuff's more fun. Yeah. yeah. No. Cause when you're in it, you get some adrenaline. It's fun. Yeah. And it's you know, they're actually not going to hurt you. You're not going to Hollywood. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> in Colorado, they had this thing. It was like a, 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 a carriage ride. And so you'd go on this carriage and then you have paintball guns and then dudes dressed as zombies. Oh, I did that. Yeah. You did paintball. that? Yeah. yeah. It sounded fun. I never did it, but. Oh man. Yeah. Was it, it fun? It's, yeah. It's very like, what do you call it? Cathartic. Cause you're just like Shooting lighting people. someone up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're wearing like, you know, thick clothing or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. And they tell you like not to aim at their heads or their balls or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> you're like, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leaf raking. 10 out of 10. I don't, yeah, Will wanted to include this one. I do not enjoy raking leaves. Why zero not? It's 10. so much fun. Zero out of 10. Zero. zero. It's a chore. Yeah, but you, it's a chore you only get to do once a year. Oh, no, that's no. not true. That's not true. Uh -uh. Do not work with a house that has trees around it. All right, you have to do yeah. it a couple times in the fall. Do it like, but you do it like one. This is spoken by a man Three who's times never a lived week. in Florida. Now, when you're a kid and like you can like jump in the leaves and, you know, with I don't know, that's kind of fun, but... It's yeah, zero. You don't find it kind of fun to like fun. put them in big piles. I feel like there's like a manly no. 
like just urge where you see all these leaves and there's just something about like creating something. And you're like, I want to put all of these leaves in a massive pile. He's got his rake in one hand, pumpkin spice latte in the other. And that's just like peak masculinity. (laughs) Don't don't you want to see how big of a pile you can make? That's fun for me. Burning them is fun. Uh -uh. The fact that you think that only happens once a year is just so wrong. It's so incorrect. So close. Will's calling in reinforcements here with Scott. Yeah, Scott, defend me. Yeah, well, I don't know. I I grew up in an area where I had to rake leaves probably like two, three times a week. And that just started to wear on me. But I do know what you're saying. Like whenever me and my brothers would play backyard football, we would make the piles so that we could tackle each oh, other yeah. in yeah. them. Yeah, that's what I'm it, saying. But then we'd have to rake it all up again right <laughs> exactly. after. It. No, it's fun. It's no, a fun okay. Floor. Piles of leaves that you get to no piles of leaves that you get to jump into. Sure, that's fun. Raking the piles of yeah, leaves. Yeah, you, you specifically to... said leaf raking is your activity. <laughs> yeah, well, I I stand by what I said. I give it a ten. I'm all about okay. it. I okay, love making whatever. big piles of leaves. <laughs> Put that on a quote poster. Craig, are you, are you watching? Put that on a quote poster. He's got a career in leaf raking. Yeah, no, uh, no. Influencer thing doesn't work Yeah, out exactly. When tyranny really happens, <laughs> I'm sure the... After the apocalypse, you'll be uh, the first leaf raker business to yeah, start. Yeah, Bill Gates, if you need someone to rake your leaves, I will gladly <laughs> do it. That All right, football. Uh, I give football a four. Wow. I'm a, I give it a uh, two. Oh, this man. is the problem with kids these days. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> I don't know. Tyler likes football. Uh, oh, that was a shrug. Oh, my I, gosh. I give it, I give it like a six. Football for oh, me is like a double 10 out of 10. Yeah, like it's 10 not high enough. Yeah. 10 not, not high enough. enough. Yeah. Oh, football you guys. Like come on now. Come the on. year yeah, revolves around football. The, the machines College oh and gosh. NFL. I'm like equally like yoked. Yeah, no, I'm equally stoked. into stuff. He's stoked. yoked yoked. too. Yeah. You know, I'm equally yoked with my wife. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's the best. Uh, like, I, football season, tailgating. I mean, that that was like back in the college days, but like, uh, you know, just Sunday, fo- Saturdays for college football. I could watch it all day. Saturday, a uh, Sunday, NFL, our Vikings, LSU, best team ever. Even though they suck this year, 2019, still living off of that. Yeah, Tyler, UCLA, Tyler School just beat my championship-winning LSU team, and they're not even rated. It doesn't take much now to beat LSU. No, it doesn't. But, well, shots know. fired. Yeah, That's okay. No, he knows it. We're coming back. He knows it. <laughs> I just don't think it's like that interesting to watch. I think they're much more interesting. I'd much rather watch basketball and disc golf. Yeah, I'd much rather watch disc golf and basketball. I'd rather much rather be raking leaves and drinking. Uh, yeah, I want to yeah. rake leaves and hear – basketball disc golf radio it should and, be illegal uh, for men not to like football i don't yeah, dislike honestly, it if it's on I'm, i will watch it and i know about playing football. backyard the turkey bowl is. like playing backyard football with the boys yeah oh, uh, like honestly i'm i'm a little i'm left a little speechless here yeah. i can't even put <laughs> good the we can words turn together. your mic off <laughs> and we don't have to hear you speak why do you I, hate america will yeah. i love america i just don't find football to be that entertaining for me same here. That to me. I want to watch people play for more than like eight seconds at a time. I, I think that's more fun for me to watch. You don't understand the beauty of the game. No, I understand. I, I can appreciate why people like it. I can get that. But for me personally, I just don't find it that entertaining. You're dead to me. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> that's a horror movie for me. Scott, set him straight. Campfires. 
<laughs> they make you smell. You smell like a campfire for like three days after you do a campfire. I love that. Seven smell. out of ten. In your hair, it's great clothes. Smell. Imagine like going. You could do a huge campfire, and then you walk around in the grocery store, and women are just like, "Wow, that guy smells like campfires." And you're like, Wouldn't it be crazy if we just like made out right now in the store? Oh my god! <laughs> just kiss her. Just yeah, you know seven out of ten because. Uh, First of all, s'mores are great. It's cool to chill by a campfire, especially when it's cold outside with your friends. But in Florida, campfires are just overwhelmed by mosquitoes. And when the smoke gets in your face, it is like the most irritating time of your life. So seven. I always get the spot around the campfire where the wind is blowing the smoke straight at you. And you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, everyone else is on the other side, like having a great time. And you're like, your eyes are like, you know, you're squinting and tearing up because you can't see through the smoke. And I don't know. I, I mean, campfires are all right. They're fun, you know, on yeah. occasion. But I was in Boy Scouts. We I made do a like lot burning of campfires. So I have a lot of experience with campfires. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you I said like, that very like, I have a lot of experience with campfires. Yeah. yeah. I'm a yeah. campfire connoisseur. Listen, any of you guys oh, want to make some God. fires? We'll make some Move fires. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, there's things to get hot. <laughs> there's definitely something to be said about the warmth of the campfire against the crisp air of the autumn winds. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, Robert Frost. Robert, Robert, okay, Robert, Robert Frost. Frost. Wow. <laughs> Robert Frost came back. He must have been from Southern California because yeah, exactly. we don't have a crisp autumn. Yeah, no, we don't. We have crisp autumn smog. Yeah. I agree. That was good. Halloween. 10,000 out of 10. It's my favorite. Yeah, holiday. Halloween's I mean, great. Besides Christmas. But it's like the best. Yeah, Christmas is better than Halloween, but Halloween is pretty great. Ten out of ten. Yeah, I'd give this one like a four and a half. Oh a wow! Wow! Why? I'd give it. I used. I like uh, the Halloween time. I like the time. Yeah, me Halloween, too. Me too. But I don't it's the season. I don't really like Halloween. Why? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's, it's the like, Halloween season. It's yeah. like I don't, you know, pumpkin used to carving be like and parties, stupid and Halloween parties and stuff, and then it's like are Halloween parties are just not that fun I, anymore. I love, I love the fall. Yeah, and and the season, but yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't associate Halloween all that much in my you own guys mind. Are so with... wrong. How does it feel to yeah. be so wrong? I just can't, I can't imagine. Yeah. You're no, gonna I'm, keep a, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna like a six or maybe a seven. What oh you decorate so, your I love, house? I love the fall. Up, you put on the Halloween the movies. You turn yeah, your little lights corn on. And, uh, the kids come to your front door, and you get to see all the cute little kids in their costumes. That's adorable. Oh, that's the best. Amelie, you live in an apartment. No kids are about to come to your okay. I'm talking about Florida. Okay. I okay. listen. Where this is about the holiday, not about the You're time. The no, it is about the time. Halloween well, then I like the time. Everything. I like okay. the time. Well, what's your rating for the time? The nine. Okay. Oh the, wow. The, okay. the actual <laughs> like, like the Halloween night. Yeah. Halloween, not... Halloween night is usually disappointing, but I've gotten so much out of Halloween season by then that I'm like, I don't even care. This is still a great time. Like all the yeah, movies. I like the season. I, one of my favorite shows on tv is halloween baking championship on food network i bet oh, it's here. so good it's the best it is really yeah. good so will will just is disappointed because he only gets to dress up like a man once a year <laughs> <laughs> and by a man i mean frodo baggins <laughs> yeah aragorn yeah all right witches okay uh i'm kind of into it i give it a seven out of ten all right i'll give it a seven out of ten I'll be contrarian here and go like five out of ten. Okay. I like I like them in as much as they're like a part of like the Halloween stuff, um, but I'm not like a witch person. <laughs> I like my favorite. My Wi-Fi at my apartment is named Angmar. 
off of the Witch King oh, of Angmar. Okay. The Witch King of Angmar is not like a witch, though. No, Wait, would a, you guys date a girl who was into witchcraft? Like, who like was just into it? The hobby? No, no, that's nah, some smoky that's demonic. That, that's those girls who like horror movies. That's yeah. Well, it doesn't even have yeah. to be demonic. Like, girls will do like weird witch stuff and they'll like hex you yeah. and, you know, they, like, they'll make have potions like, and stuff. Yeah. They uh, burn a rabbit or something. Are we talking about like Hermione Granger, Emma Watson? Or because <laughs> yeah. I, we might make a little, you know, <laughs> there, but like. I don't know. Like Harry Potter, cute little witch stuff is like, that doesn't bother me that much. But like an actual witch who's got like a Ouija board and a cauldron and is like trying to cast spells on me. No, like, no, I, I don't mean want like the girls who are like, like, I read a book on witchcraft and here's like a little glass bottle with some lavender in it that's going to make No, you that should be illegal. Up. Yeah. <laughs> you me on that. Yeah. She should be burning at the stake. Any girl, any girl who likes that stuff is probably super into horoscopes too, which is something oh, that yeah. I'm also 100%. not into. Yeah. If you take the tooth of a fox and mix it with the hair of a horse that has been branded three odd days from Halloween, you're going to wish laugh after true. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's some weird stuff. Tim Burton, uh, three. No. Uh, at least a nine out of ten, possibly a ten out of ten. But I haven't oh, seen you're all such of a child. Tim Burton is you're amazing. Up. He's amazing. Yeah. No, he's not. His claymation is great. It's overrated. so good. No, overrated. But I'm glad nah. you think that. Nah. Beards. He's everybody's childhood. Uh, 10 out of 10. Wow. Hmm. Immediate. I give beards. I have to go right in the middle. Five. Why? Because beards are good on some men. And then if you have, but if you have a strong jawline, you shouldn't grow a beard because you're hiding your magnificent bone structure. So no, I, don't I, I don't, you know, and we have the means as human beings nowadays to cover our bodies with warm clothing that you don't need to grow a beard to warm That's yourself. That's not why people grow beards. They're thinking beards. Way too I know much people grow beards because funny. they have bad jawlines. No. So or they, it just they cover good. it up. I or think if you have a good, good jawline, you don't need a beard. No. No. I think beards make you look manly and not like a little boy. Uh, so beards are good. 10 out of 10. I was you, gonna say, did you give it a five out of ten because you have a half beard on right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the upper half. Yeah, this is a, this is a five. This is the rest. Yeah, for October, you're just gonna do all beard and no mustache. <laughs> no, I'm gonna do the Martin Van Buren. Yeah, just like all sideburns on the side. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll give it like a five. Like sometimes some, I'll do a beard. Sometimes not. But I'm not like. All right, chocolate. Chocolate is uh, not even like a fall thing. Who put this in here? Will, um, two out of ten. <laughs> Will wanted this? Yes, Will wanted it. Fine, we don't have to talk about chocolate. <laughs> Three <laughs> out of ten, regardless, but yeah. Cultural so appropriation. Uh, ten, ten, out ten. Out ten. <laughs> ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. the best. Everybody should do it. Ten out of ten. Appreciation. Yes, cultural appreciation is a great thing. Yes. You guys have seen my videos. <laughs> you know. Baking. Yeah. Also is ten out of fall? ten. It's just like random muffins or cookies or something. Yeah, yeah it's like in the uh, fall, you want your house to smell like fresh baked pie and cookies and stuff. Yeah, baking's awesome. Yeah, baking, 10 out of 10. baking slaps. I'm not good at it. Baking. Yeah. 9 out of I'm 10 is you have to baking. clean up the mess. It's like, I don't really like well, that's doing what... it. And I'm not, I don't even like like eating all the sweets that much, but I just like being around it and like watching it. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the man bakes it and then the wife cleans it up. That's definitely not and true. So the wife does so literally everything. That's not true. <laughs> 
<laughs> I find the man drinks whiskey on the couch. Exactly. Well, we should have put yeah scotch on here or something. Oh uh, yeah, hotty toddies. Hotty toddies get a ten. Oh gross. Or hot chocolate with alcohol. Trick or treating. Um, ten out of ten. Eleven out of ten. Eleven. The best. You know, especially when people would, you'd go to a house and the guy would have massive like king size candy bars. Oh yeah, and then you like swap your costumes around the block and come back and like you know hit Uh the same house again. Yeah, or the person who would leave the candy candy out on the front door. Oh. Just dump it on your pillow. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Please, please take one. Yeah, please nah. take one. It's like, I am going to take as many as I would like. Are you dressed this... up like Dracula or something? Yeah. No, that's like Russian. Okay. Transylvania would be a different accent. Would it? Uh-huh. Thank you for all of the candy. <laughs> I will take this. Amla, what was your best Halloween costume ever? I don't know. I have to really think about this, actually. I don't even remember what I dressed up as for Halloween. It's probably a witch or, like, a doll or something like that. It's probably my best. A doll? So generic. I can't think of of what my other costumes were at the moment. Who dresses up as a doll? You know, you do, like, the the Frankenstein-type dolls. You know what I mean? No, Frankenstein didn't have I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? It's like the... Are you talking about Cabbage Patch? You know, like in Teenage Robot, that old show where like she dresses up as a human and she's like a doll, but she's got like the stitches and like. You Have you seen Teenage? About? Tyler's the only one who's Gen Z here, like exclusively. You know, now. I know what you're talking about. I've never heard but of. But that's not like a that. good costume that anyone would know who you are. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. People knew what I was, so. Taylor's oh, done man. some good costumes. I've done some great costumes. A few yeah, years Conor ago, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. I got like the actual. Um, found on Etsy, like someone who made the real tattoos and like got them and and like go in and played beach volleyball in them and stuff is awesome and then i was brad pitt from fight club a couple of years ago and i uh, got the like dope leather jacket and the red glasses and stuff and uh star lord like a while ago when uh, when guardians came out was some good ones yeah what about you scott best halloween uh, costume my go-to as a kid was pirate mm-hmm. i absolutely love pirates and then i went on pirates, pirates cool. of the caribbean ride and was scared out of my mind <laughs> never wanted so to be no a pirate again <laughs> that's funny yeah i used to always dress up as i i had a little lion costume as a kid lion yeah oh so said- like a little lion oh I'd, I'd roar jump out at people we we didn't do halloween when i was a kid we we did like hallelujah night at uh, my <laughs> church and so i was like a little christian warrior guy with like the armor of god once and uh that's so cute yeah that's hilarious it's so cute yeah. uh, <laughs> like a, maybe like a football player or, mm-hmm. i don't know stuff like that it's really cute yeah i did i've done a lot of strange halloween costumes over the years sounds like we don't want words, to know words, <laughs> which i will not utter here <laughs> but yes some good ones did top gun two years ago yeah i cool. saw that yeah, Alex and I did it together. This year, awesome. Tom Selleck. Yeah, seriously. I know. <laughs> or was no, it... Stash is going away. You might have to bring Top Gun back now that the remake or the second one's coming out. Yeah. No, I want to do something different. Maybe I'll be Fauci. <laughs> Grouchy Fauci for Halloween. I'll just lie to everyone I meet. <laughs> That'll be my gimmick. That's horrible. We did one that was fun. We dressed up as referees and then gave red cards out to people. Oh, like at a party. That was, that was fun, yeah. 
All right, anyway, that's the show, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, good <laughs> show and also some stuff on tyranny. Uh, and we appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this show, make sure you go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google, where you can rate this five stars and you can download the podcast. The more downloads, the better, so we can get these podcasts up on the, the leaderboards on these things so more people will watch them on the, I think we're labeled under education, which I don't know why, but we are. So make sure you check it out. Yeah, no, we are. Listen, we just educated people on our opinions on trick-or-treating. So that's, <laughs> that's a pretty education, not going to lie. And uh, make sure you follow us on social media, at The Will Witt, at The Amla Panobi, at Taylor Trandall, and at PragerU as well, because we post a lot of stuff about the show on there, more things that you might have missed. And I think that's about it. I hope you guys have a great weekend, a swell one, and enjoy some pumpkin spice lattes and your flannels on a dusty... Aspen leave field road with uh, crisp, crisp, crisp autumn air. Crisp autumn air. Oh my gosh, Robert you know, Frost is Scott's, not dead. Scott's words <laughs> echoing through your brain cavity. Good night, everyone. See ya. Bye, guys.